Ladies and gentlemen, to another recording of Talking Jays. I'm Jose in New York. He's Kevin in New York. She's Jeanette in LA. And with us is our first recurring guest. Woo! Pat from Super Pat World. Hey, what is man. going on, Pat? How are you What's doing? What's going on? Glad to be here. I'm <laughs> so glad you came. You decided to come back. Hopefully, we can have you for more sessions in the future again. I hope like so this. too. Yeah, I'm in. Count me in. So when we last spoke, you were in the beginning phases of trying to become a partner with Facebook. Yes. What can you tell us what's the, what's happened since then? Yes. Well, when they first released the program, the partner program, be, well, here, I'll put it this way before you had to just kind of get hand selected and then you'd be offered a partnership. But a couple months ago, they set it up so that if you hit certain numbers, then you could apply to be a partner then they check out your channel and then either accept you or reject you. And so I was able to hit the numbers thanks to the amazing community of Super Pat World and uh, and was accepted into the partner program as of June 1st, which unlocked this thing called gifted subs, where someone who's already a supporter can donate any number of gifted subs and people who are viewers get randomly selected to become a supporter of Super Pat World. And they get the perks like being able to play video games with me on supporter Sundays being able to submit levels to me to play on stream on Tuesdays. And so that's been really cool because it's kind of like a viewer is able to hook me up and hook up other viewers. And it's kind of like a little, almost like a lottery because you're watching are you who's going to get a gift and sub. <laughs> so that's been really cool. And uh, yeah, I'm just thrilled to be a part of the Facebook partner program. Yeah, that sounds wonderful. Like I when I saw that you guys, you became partner, you know, you were talking about how you were just I think you had done it for about a year before you became partner. Exactly. And I see all these different groups, uh, people like it's a big community that they created and you starting off on your own were able to become a partner. I think I was just ecstatic for you. I was <laughs> Thanks, so happy. I was so hey, happy when you became partner man. and um, you are, you. you are very, someone very deserving of it. So, wow. And, um, and you know, that was when you said, mentioned that, like I said, I was so happy. I'm like, oh my God, someone that I know got the Talking Jays bump. They yeah. got the Talking Jays bump and became part of Yeah. Hey, you never talked to me like that. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we, we work, we work magic. We have our little elves. We can't take, you know, in, in the pie chart of taking credit, we can't claim 100%, but we'll go 99% credit on that. 99 so sounds welcome. fair. What <laughs> percent is just all like Pat and his like what he does, you know, yes. with his with his community. The other ninety nine that was Jose and Kevin. I all I can't, I, I can't add to that. I wasn't there, but that's Kevin and Jose. So good job, guys. I owe it all <laughs> to the Talking Jays podcast. Well, thank you for 
to talk to me about that, Jose. You're putting me on the spot, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, but that sounds like the the idea of like the, the, the incentives sounds great because it's a great way to grow your community. And if mm -hmm. it's, um, I'm guessing it's random enough where it won't always be, you know, like five people that get to take advantage where if it really is, you know, if you have you know, a couple thousand people that show up, they all feel like they have an equal chance of getting something. And that's very rare nowadays where you can enter, um, not, not like any type of, uh, of, of like, I wouldn't, I don't want to call this like a raffle or anything like that, but anything yeah. where, you know, going in, you have an equal chance Yeah. and that's every single time. So that has to really make people feel like, Hey, just for showing up, I have this percentage chance of doing this with Pat, that's great. Maybe get a little bonus. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, Jose, like, I'm pretty sure you'll get picked somewhere down the line. I got picked and, once. You got one. Yeah? I got oh, one. Oh, wow. That was awesome. <laughs> and then I got a gem next to mine as being one of the Pat's uh, top supporters. I'm like, yes. Yeah. That's the Talking James bump right there. <laughs> right there, exactly. Honestly, my opinion, when you first came on, I was like, I didn't know what direction we were going to go, but we had so much fun in that podcast that it was like, wow, man. So I know. It, it was an amazing experience, honestly. We from ended my, up talking for a while after, too. Yeah, it was awesome. It was awesome. Yeah, it was. I mean, I wish I wish we could have added that on to the podcast. I know. Well. It was like a but, whole second podcast right there. Yeah, but I'm glad you came back again, and I hope it's not the last time. Yeah, definitely not the yeah, last but time. But this is yeah. we just started. I know, I know, I know. I know. <laughs> it's like, okay, Pat, see you later. Goodbye. Let's do another recording. No, you know. Things happen down the road. That's what I'm yes. saying. You know? I'll be yeah. honored to be a returning guest. Almost oh, yeah. certainly. You Anytime, know. man. Anytime. Um, so I, I guess I'll, I'll start the yeah. Pat, what, now that you became Facebook partners, where do you go from here? Yeah, well, that's the big, the big thing I've got my site set on now is securing a sponsorship which uh it's a tricky thing because you need the brand whatever brand it is they have to look at your platform your channel of brand and decide okay we want to we want this to represent us and they get enough reach to make it worth us investing into them so it's not necessarily something you can imagine every streamer out there wants to be sponsored so uh lots of competition and especially before you've ever gotten a sponsor i kind of have no no credibility I'm a nobody as far as in the sponsorship world because I've never been sponsored. So, but my my understanding is the more that you're able to secure part, uh, like sponsorships, the more likely it is you can build more and like kind of go out from there. So that's kind of where my my sites are set now, just trying to like expand to other social media channels, building up my YouTube right now. But that's tricky. There's so many different little like there's different video formats for every single social media platform and. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm trying to learn. So I'm in the learning process. Let me tell you something. The YouTube videos that you've been putting up, I'm so glad that you decided to do that. <laughs> nice. Because you gave us snippets of some of the, uh, you, well, the ones that I really love the most. I like the videos that you show of what you did the day before. But the one okay. that I enjoy the most is when you go as a coach and give a breakdown of all the little things and nuances of what makes a, a, the level difficult or what makes the level just right. And you actually, it's almost like, you know, you do a telestrator or a, go on to watching like a football play and explaining, okay, so this is where you go, break the scene there. He spins <laughs> moves there. He goes there, jukes, and does does all these moves. And this is where I got to the goal. Yes. Like you broke it. And I know it takes a little, a long time for you to be able to do that. 
But I thought it was amazing that you did that because it gives people an idea of your skill level. And you know, you even talk about that your skill level compared to a lot of, for example, you're talking, you're going to be entering a tournament that's Latin American based. And you talk about how their skill levels, especially doing the um, shell jumps, is incredible. Crazy. Compared to yours. But you, <laughs> we actually see you your development of the process and how you start seeing stages. That you don't see a stage as in, okay, I got to get from point A to point B. You actually see you tracking and, and, and saying, okay, this is what needs to be accomplished here. This is what needs to be accomplished here. And you break yes. it down that way. It's almost like you, it's almost like you have this vision what they call like a running back vision or a quarterback vision, where it's a cone that you see, you start piecing together all the pieces of the puzzle to be able to conquer a level. It's, I thought those, I love, I absolutely love those videos that you do. That's all, yeah, that like the Kaizo commentary video. It's a, that, that's one of those things that's kind of inspired by growing up and when I'd watch the Olympics and watch sports that I'd never even seen before. And oftentimes that have the guest announcer would be somebody that was in the Olympics like 10 years ago or something. And I mm -hmm. always really appreciated and honed in on their commentary. And, you know, they do it in football, too. Like they have the, the ex-players mm -hmm. do the commentary. And you're able to kind of get a little, vis a little peek into what it's like seeing through the eyes of someone who's been there. And so I imagine that there's people that have, are fans of Mario that may have never even seen a game like Mario Maker. So they know enough about Mario. And if, if I'm able to convey what the weird little moves are they may not have heard of that are, that are required in this particular level, it's, kinda, it's a kind of a parallel to that. Like if I don't know too much about ice skating or a triple axle or even what a triple axle is, if the person who's actually done a triple axle is explaining, okay, now I got to dig my toe into the ice. I got to get the trajectory to the spin, things that you wouldn't typically consider if you hadn't been there before. So I kind of try to base it off that sort of commentary style to uh to try to draw draw the viewer in that may not have ever done anything like that before and i think what also helps with you being able to give such precise detail in these videos um is the fact that you're a teacher so <laughs> yeah. you're so you're taking what is already your natural ability to take a a subject and break it down to uh it, it's basic elements right and put that into these in these videos that you do and you can point out like hey this is what this means or you know whatever the options are however you run it so you're kind of a it's a melding of your two worlds so yes it's very perfect i think other and also that you can have that you have the patience to do it because even though you might see that a video i don't know maybe like 30 minutes or whatever the length is it's probably much longer for you. So you have you have the patience to record the whole thing and edit it and decide what to keep in and what not to keep in. And that probably comes with uh, being a teacher. Yeah, you know, the, yeah, the that's a great point. You've had. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely a great point. And uh, yeah, well said. <laughs> like one of my teachers when I was in high school, was, his name was Mr. Sill. And if he, okay. he's hearing this, I don't know if he's hearing this. <laughs> he's listening. He's listening. So um, one of the things that he used to do was when he had assignments, he would have like, he would structure like games and stuff like that. Do you okay. actually do that in your class? Like structure <laughs> assignments like that? Like, cause, because the way you describe certain things, it's like, wow, like, you, you know, you trying to get, it's like Treasure Island or something like that, where you trying to get your <laughs> class to go through like an obstacle to just meet the right goal. I was just want to know if you ever do any assignments like that, because I used to love assignments like that when I was a kid. Yeah, I think that that's definitely the key 
is like in your, uh, you're describing it as making it like a game. Yeah. That I think it comes down to you've got to know your student well enough mm-hmm. to be able to know what is going to make it feel like a game to them, because mm, yeah. depending on the student, that might be very different. Because I, oh, I used to enjoy those consignments, man. We, <laughs> we used to get it all class involved. And then it was like, oh, man. And it was just so fun. Like we would just do these like cool assignments that he used to do. And, uh, you know, sometimes like there Can was one example of one. Um, uh, it was more like uh, he would have us on trial of one of these things. And we would have to like figure out what's the who was who the criminal in the whole entire thing. For example, uh, Christopher Columbus going to uh, to the Caribbean and he was supposed to go to India. And then he's like, oh, I don't know. It, it's kind of crazy, like how he would set up his assignments. And we would do like little assignments like puzzles. So we would we would have to figure out a lot of things. And yes. it, it would really intrigue us a lot. And I figure like I, I like I know in high school they have certain curriculums and they have to go by the curriculums. But yeah, how does it go interactive? Yeah, like the interactivity. Wait, 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 wait. But how does it go? Like I know that they have in. Oh man, Jose, just not my train of thought. But how do you have the curriculum and actually make that obstacle, making it fun for the class? Because exactly. you know teachers have that hard job, have a hard career of actually making things and trying to get things, uh, trying to get the class involved into that particular project. Yeah, exactly. It, it makes me think of like my, I had a history teacher that did like a Jeopardy game out of the history mm, questions. Yeah. And even like just those me, things like, yeah, even fortune, a, little, like- a simple little twist like that, even all, ultimately all he's doing is asking questions like any teacher would and getting the answer. But just putting that little creative spin where it's like a game show mm-hmm. really makes it feel m- way more fun. Mm, yeah. And that's why I always admire like teachers like yourself that you would actually do things like that with your students. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely some really cool teaching stuff out there. Pat, what makes a, a good level for you in March? Ooh. Okay. We'll see. Now this is other than getting the three, three mushrooms to give you the uh, one ups. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The Jose is referring to in the endless runs that I do every night at 9 PM, you can only, acquire three one-ups per level. So even if I acquire a hundred one-ups in that same level, I only get to take three with me. So you always want to get at least three. So that's what Jose's talking about. But the to me, with part of what makes Mario Maker unique is you essentially you get every tool to create your own level. And one of the most difficult things about creating that level is trying to unknow what you already know about your own level. So for example, if you want someone to jump a certain way and then land on a certain object in your mind, since you created that obstacle, it's very obvious that that's what you're supposed to do. But if I go into the level, I've never played the level before. That's not obvious at all to me, depending on the design. So a big factor in what makes a level good is how well the level creator is able to convey their intention to the player. So that if, whether it means using arrows or using coins, using ways in which to indicate what their intention for you to do is And the better the level creator is at that, usually the less they'll have to make really, really obvious indicators. And the more just by the design of the level, it becomes clear, okay, here's a platform, here's a platform. I need to jump between them. Depending on the way in which they design it, it can be more or less obvious. And so sometimes you get a level that's really good, has cool obstacles, but you have to die 400 times to figure out what you're supposed to do to get through the obstacles. But then other times you can have the same level of difficulty in platforming, but because the indicators are so good, you can do it on your first try because even in, in real time, going really fast, you're able to see 
okay, I'm supposed to jump here, then land here. You can kind of look one move ahead of what you're actually doing so you can do it all at once. So that's really satisfying if you can like enter a level for the first time that's kind of tough and then know what to do right away. That's like really satisfying. Those are my favorite. Do you ever, my least favorite of like the Mario was the one where the frame moves. So you have to like be ahead or else you're like gonna fall out and you automatically die. That's auto scroll. Do you do you do you incorporate that when you do your Mario Maker, or is that not an option? No. Well, see, that's very interesting because that is an option. If you, as the level creator, you can set the speed, make it go to a certain speed, and you can even do custom auto scroll where you can customize how it can speed up, slow down. The screen uh -huh. the the screen can actually move up and yeah. down, and uh, so those levels can be really annoying. Or they can be some of the best levels. Like one of my favorite level creators goes by the, the name Bufflin, B-U-F-L-E-N. And he is a master of the auto scroll level where he uses that auto scroll to the advantage of the design to make it clear the pace that you need to be moving. You basically need to be following along. Whereas sometimes you, it's required in order to do the obstacles. You have to do it right away. But because there's no auto scroll, you don't necessarily know you need to go right away. And so then you die to find mm -hmm. out. So that's one of the ways where Bufflin can really use the auto scroll to his advantage, where it forces you to do everything basically right away. And he, so he's really good. It might be a shoot em up games. Yeah, those <laughs> have just auto scrolling up or diagonally. Yeah. Or horizontally. Oh, man. Some of those games are really difficult, like Gradius. I could imagine Pat playing Ikaruga. Oh, yeah. That, that game is hard. Uh, it's it's a um, it's a it's the sequel to Radiant Silver Gun that was out for the the Sega Saturn, if I'm correct. Okay. But the cool thing is, so you get shot with black lasers and blue lasers. You can flip your ship to blue, so you can absorb all the ship to power up your your, your bomb, <laughs> or you can flip it to black and you absorb all the black lasers. But uh -huh. if you get hit with a blue laser while you're absorbing the black, you die. If you get hit with a black laser while you're absorbing the blue, you die. It's pretty much you have to know when to flip and when to flip back. Yeah, it is, it's it, it's it's a tough game. It's very difficult. It's that's very cool. difficult. But if you like if you like something that's very challenging, which is why I was gonna I wanted to ask you, how do you know when a, a level is it's it's a challenge, and how do you know you know what this level just straight up isn't for me. <laughs> because I know there are levels, Pat, that I've seen you and I've seen another uh, someone that gives that has a lot of love for you. Uh, I think it's Black Retro Gamer. Okay, he's, uh, he's new on the scene. Him, he says, like he he plays all the time and he's been playing a, a stage. I think you mentioned for like forty hours just doing yeah. one level. Yes, and I'm like, at what point in time do you say, okay, that's just I I, I need to move on to something else. Or at one point you say, this is a challenge. I'm going to beat this. I'm going to get through. Because I don't see where, I don't see a gray line between the two. It's just pretty much just a blur. <laughs> yeah, that perfectly said. And that, that's something that's been interesting for me. Before I was a streamer, I watched Mario Maker content for literally years before I ever did my first stream. And so I had a very similar view to, to what you're describing, where I would watch my favorite Mario players like Ryukar, play a level and it would be really difficult to distinguish. Well, why is he saying this one is so much more difficult than this other one that he beat? It looks like he can just beat any level, essentially, that it just looks like there's really high. So but the, now that I've been sort of in the game as much as I have been now, 
like anything, the more familiar you get with something, the more you're able to distinguish the spectrum of difficulty. And um, so like if I'm playing a level, I'll know within two minutes of playing it if it's too hard for me. I'd say at this point, I could beat maybe 70% of the levels that exist in Mario Maker, but there's an entire 30% that's sort of reserved for the elite players who have been at it for 2,000 plus hours and are able to execute these tricks that I just can't do right now. Where It's one of those things where you have to try to weigh, okay, how much is my audience going to enjoy watching me fail for 12, 15 hours just to get one little section? And so sometimes, depending on the level and depending on how much fun you're having with it, sometimes that can work. But a lot of the time, it can just end up being really frustrating, especially if you're expecting to be able to beat it when you can't beat it. So that ends up being part of the skill set as a streamer is having some sense of how long is this going to take me? Am I able to realistically do this? And if it is going to take a long time, will this be entertaining enough to be worth streaming? And th those... Yeah, in many ways that teaches you like tenacity and determination and things like that. Perseverance. And, and perseverance, but at what point in time does it just break you? Totally, <laughs> exactly. That's what you, and that, I think the more you play, the more you build the skill set of being able to identify, okay, this is a level that's going to drive me crazy. And see, I've had one of the, what, what's crazy is for a long time, anytime a level stopped my run, I was always able to beat it afterwards. And then I came across this one level where it's one move, the whole level. It takes less than 10 seconds to beat. And so I was like, all right, well, I'm just going to play it every day until I beat it. And it started driving me so crazy. And I was getting so bored and frustrated with it because it's literally the same trick over and over and over. So I've done the trick now thousands of times and never once have I completed it. So at a certain point, I had to say, you know what? I got to humble myself here and say, I can't do this one. Maybe someday. But the more I'm doing this, the, the less I'm enjoying it. And it, it's 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 sort of that humbling reality of there's definitely quite a few levels out there. I just can't do yet. Did it? Yeah, that has to be because um, we're just looking at it from like one way and we don't consider it as the from the aspect of you as the the gamer right where you're taking the you're you're thinking about your audience right and if you already know your audience well enough that they're that they're gonna recognize like this is not entertainment this is not like you know like um they may not tough it out to the end or maybe they start putting in I don't know how much you would list, like pay attention to their comments in your chat if they're just telling you, man, like no, bow out of this one. Yeah, skip this. You yes. know, like so. I don't know if you like if you're maybe that's the other thing where you're looking at the thing and you're like, okay, I've already gotten so many people very nicely telling me it's not my day with this one. I think I should move on. Yes. So I think that that's a good insight for us because I I don't know if there's a lot of people that take that that streamers that take that frame of mind of their audience and the people that have come to watch them and they're just like well i'm just gonna do whatever i want and if they don't find it entertain entertaining or whatever too bad like they can just they'll, they'll just leave and i'll still you know keep doing what i want to do exactly well see i think that's the streamer fantasy is that i can do whatever i want whenever i want and whoever's there is going to love every second of it. That you kind of wish it was as simple as that. But the reality is you've got to be doing a very specific thing at a very specific time, very consistently in order to even build the audience 
And even then, you've got to recognize your audience is going to be built up of an entire spectrum of people to people who just like Mario and like it for the nostalgia and, and just like to see a variety of things all the way to like super hardcore Mario players themselves who want to see the most insane levels. Like all those people, that whole spectrum is present. It's not as simple as everybody wants to see me do this kind of level. So it's, it is that sort of trying to weigh out. Okay, I'm three people are telling me to skip this level, but five people are telling me don't skip this level and weighing. Okay, but of th that's still only eight people total giving feedback and there's 200 people here. So trying to gauge, is it just the squeaky wheel getting the grease situation or it, like it, it's, it's definitely a weird little uh, mind game to try to determine what's what's the best thing to do in this situation right now. And it's a lot of things to keep within yourself because you're <laughs> you're concentrating on the game right and, and trying to <laughs> to execute it properly however times you have and then you also have to be like what are the people writing what yes. is my level of frustration right now my level of confidence that's so right you're, very good. So you have so many things going on like that you're like like a fighter pilot like trying to make the <laughs> right decision exactly well see and on top of that for me a big piece of that really adds to that challenge is trying to keep it rated G because this is this is one of the biggest struggles I have um, <laughs> in the stream is because what I end up having to do is kind of correct and uh, like correct and direct the conversation before it goes <laughs> off the rails. So a lot of times I'll have to delete something, even though the thing itself isn't necessarily inappropriate or a problem. It's what is likely to be the next five comments to that comment. It's mm -hmm. like trying to you have to so. I, in the moment, I'm trying to think ahead. Okay, if this guy says this that mentions COVID-19 in this particular context, this might trigger five people disagreeing and wanting to say this and that. So that that ends up being one of the hardest, like, distracting things. Because at the same time, I don't want to come off like I'm trying to, you know, be extra strict or just ruin everybody's good time. Because that's not it. I, I've, I've everybody's had a teacher that has rules just to just to kind of be the authority. And I've always hated that kind of authority. So it's like a tough balance to be strict about it, but also come off like, I'm not trying to tell you how to live your life. It's just trying to keep the chat rated G for the sake of the chat, not to try to tell you what to think or how to express yourself. It's just specific to this stream. So it's definitely a lot to juggle mentally. Yeah. What killed me, Pat, was when <laughs> someone was talking about spaghetti. And okay. I think I dropped about their palms are sweaty. Yeah. And, they, and therefore, we kept the G, so there wasn't any cursing. Exactly. But we gave the 10 mile rap that Eminem gives for the song, the, the movie, the, the song from, eight mile. from eight, 8 Mile. So we're literally giving out the lyrics in the stream. And someone says, I wonder if Pat's paying attention. And you go, yeah. Oh, I'm paying attention, all right. Just make sure you keep the G. Well, it was the funniest thing because we didn't we didn't put any curses in there. I was exactly. just putting. I would just we knew to keep it G, but you have your dog bot in there. But we, <laughs> we we're keeping it G. But we're just giving our lyric by lyric by lyric by lyric by lyric. And I'm like, all this because someone's gonna eat spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a perfect example of I can remember that distinctly. And in my mind, that that's something I want the chat to be able to do that as long as it can stay in that rated G zone. And so I was sort of, I didn't want to start talking about it and then add to it and then potentially make it more, but I was totally okay with it happening. So I kind of just kept an eye on it. But as it was, it worked out great. <laughs> I just thought it was hilarious. Cause yeah. it just started with some guys like, all right, Pat, I'm going to go eat some of my mom's spaghetti. <laughs> it just, 
It's like, All okay, the <laughs> they just triggered one person to another person, one after another. But I know. <laughs> yeah, no, like, I understand where Pat is coming from, man. I had moments when I played some video games, I was so frustrated. I just wanted to, like, throw my controller, <laughs> start, calling, start cursing. No, yes. mom tells me in the back, like, hey, what's wrong with you? <laughs> no, but the classic. That's built, I think that's built in or something to, I guess, when we were playing video games as younger people and we didn't have the ability mm-hmm. to you know that's always like the frustrating thing when you're like young and you're just like throw the control so it's right. so it sticks with you because it's part of i guess maybe like the psychology or whatever uh, of gaming because i know like i got uh the mini nes for my birthday a couple years ago and i haven't played in a long time so when i tried to do like street fighter and i had no idea what the moves were and i was yep. just dying i wanted to throw the thing and i was like no it's gonna cost me way more to replace one controller exactly so it's like i just gotta just be like oh man so or, or it's just like don't play street fighter <laughs> just don't play street fighter it reminds me when i used to play uh sports games uh game day 98 i remember this game i had I got so mad because it felt like I was winning and all of a sudden the computer oh, just the turned on the switch oh, yeah. just, to just like just Take beat over. me. <laughs> I, 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 just, I just slammed the PS1 and I, was just, and I cracked the disc and I was like, oh, crap. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> but it was, it was pretty funny because of the fact that I'm like, damn, man, I got so far and then all of a sudden... Uh, I couldn't beat the computer. And that's Falls what happens apart. in a lot of games. In fact, the most frustrating games, they say, are racing games because you can get, you can be in first place the whole entire time <laughs> until the last lap. Oh, man, that's yeah. terrible, though. Cat knows a lot about yeah. that because he plays Mario, Mario Kart. Mario Kart. Yeah, that's the ultimate for that. Yeah. Like you could be right like I got this, I got this, and then you can the blue comment. shell and knocks you right That out blue of the shell will ruin your day. Yeah. You just got <laughs> or, or the one that, that, that one that makes you switch the lightning bolt that switches you from mm-hmm. being the last to first. Yes. That, that, those are the ones that always get you. Oh man. <laughs> yeah, game of rage is definitely an interesting thing that yeah. that is uh across all different video games. You've got yeah. that game of rage, and there's some streamers that have, get famous from the rage That's like a, because they're so funny when they rage out and then there's other like one of my favorites i mentioned already ryukar part of what made me what what drew me to watching him play mario was this idea of oh my goodness how are you not freaking out right now you've done the same thing a hundred times and gotten tricked and trolled and you're still playing it and you're laughing about it that mm-hmm. really really appealed to me and so now it's cool in my own streaming to sort of mirror that same thing that I've seen, which is just the let, but see, us, the more I've played the endless expert, the more I've been getting frustrated. <laughs> but not, but my my version of rage is never swearing or breaking anything. But I will just openly say, "Oh, I'm so frustrated right now," yeah. or, or try I try to call out exactly what it is that's making me frustrated. So from the viewer side, it's clear what what's going on in my brain. And people think to themselves, like, Pat can do pretty much I can't either. <laughs> we're all human, man. At the end of the day, we're human, man. That's true. <laughs> but it's also good in your pursuits of how you said you're you're trying to get uh, land a sponsorship, right? Yes. Where if people can see that if you have a very, um, like, under, like, like where your reaction level is, like if they go your videos and they see how you are a very constant in this way, 
it opens it up for a lot of people to see and be like, okay, we can sponsor this guy because look at how look at how he takes things in a good stride, right? You know? or, or like he doesn't do the the outrageous stuff or like the stuff that we're like, oh my gosh, you know, we're gonna have an like it could lead to an incident, you know? Exactly. Hopefully not. Exactly. Right. So that yes. right there is you should just. That, that should be just like your clip when you're selling yourself. It's like, this is how I take frustration. Yes. Like, like gosh, darn it. Oh, well, let's reset. Come <laughs> let's on. Let's try everybody. again. Let's have some spaghetti and move on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, Pat, I, want, I wanted to ask you a question. Okay. Because, you know, this is an important topic. Okay. Because this particular topic influenced a lot of people and actually music production Okay. You hear it in music production, you hear it and everything, but mute video game music. What is it like your memorable music that you've heard? Maybe even, well, you could talk about some Mario and other games that you've played that had some of the greatest soundtracks. What is your experience? We okay. got to have that. All right. The, ulti- the first video game soundtrack that blew me away was Final Fantasy VII. That was the first RPG I had played. That was on the first PlayStation. And, uh, I not only was I blown away by the game, but the music was so, so good and different. It had kind of a little different flavor to it. And I had already been deep into music before that point. So to have it call out to me the way it did and have this kind of unique spin on classical music with cinematic. And I love the way it came together. And so me and uh, one of my best friends, Matt, we got into the um, piano versions of the Final Fantasy seven songs. And that's really something where it's like a, it's, a, it's a crazy vibe and it's just so, so evocative. Like it makes you feel something, <laughs> which is I, I applaud you on that because I have the first 10 albums of Final Fantasy uh, piano. Wow. Because I absolutely love Nobuo Uematsu. That's the dude. Composition. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, he's unbelievable. Uh, and then the the special versions that he does for example final fantasy 4 he did it under with celtic music okay and then final fantasy 5 he did a different he did it with an orchestra okay and it, it, they, they blow me away pat you really, <laughs> you really hit, the, hit it on the head he's unbelievable the, the, the piano arrangements for these songs because yeah. you listen to them as the electronic format but when yes. you listen to them on a piano mind blown away <laughs> they're so, so beautifully written yes yeah and and uh the the other thing i have to shout out is the legend of zelda legend of zelda link to the past soundtrack that that's one of those soundtracks that as a kid i would go j- just to the little town area to listen to that song and hang out and listen to that song and so then at once youtube like blew up as an adult I couldn't believe how cool it was that now you can type in any video game, so literally any song, and find a thousand different versions on a thousand different instruments in all different interpretations. So you can listen to your your favorite song a hundred different ways. And so I know cover songs are one of those things where it could be a divisive issue. Some people think it's got to be the original or it's nothing. Or people like me who I appreciate kind of the more different it is, the better. I I, I love any kind of reinterpretation just to hear how somebody else kind of hears it or puts it through and that's part of what inspired me to do my cover songs uh do songs of like from rap or pop songs or whatever 
and try to put it in my own little style. A, a big shout out goes to OC Remix. Pat, if you've never heard of OC Remix. I haven't. I, I, OC Remix is com- composers from all over the world putting music onto this website okay. of video games. Name the video game. It's probably on there with a, with a it'll have some people will rap to the Mario song. Some people would uh-huh. make um, like play it on a theremin, let's just say. They'll okay. come up with all these different ones. I try to look for one, the intro to um, Ninja Gaiden. Unfortunately, they have a different, there's one stage of Ninja Gaiden that everyone seems to love from the original Ninja Gaiden, but my favorite one is the intro. But um, they have all these remixes on there. And anyone that's interested in video game music, ocremix.org. It's okay. overclockremix.org. I think they maybe even have a podcast, but you can just name the video game, especially the old school video game, Nintendo games or Super Nintendo games. They have a remix. And on top of that, they even have dedicated albums where people collaborated together. For example, Link, um, Link, of, Link to the Past, they have an actual album of um, fan-made, fan-made music to Link of the Past, ah. where they remix it. They have one for Street Fighter. I think it's called Asphalt Beats. Uh, or Blood <laughs> on the, it's called Blood on the Asphalt, I think it is, for Street Fighter 2. Okay. And it's just a jazz version of everything from Street Fighter 2. Jazz it's, version? Wow. It's, it's a mix of everything. Anything and everything you can imagine. OC Remix. If You pretty much should get on there. And I got to check that out. And it's definitely worth it. I, I don't even know how I discovered it. I don't think you were the one that put me on to it, Kev. No, you? no. You discovered that on your own. I, I basically looked it up. And, and they have over 4,000 mixes. And wow. apart from that, they have other albums that you can just download through TorqueWise. Wow. that's I'll definitely be checking that out. Yeah. Did it? You know, I just, you know, I, I'm not as uh, studied or in, in the video game because I don't, the music, because I think when I was just playing, it was just about trying to beat the levels and advancing. Yeah, and just backgrounds. Like yeah, and, but, you know, the one thing I always was like, when it gets that timer and it speeds up and how you start sweating <laughs> a little bit more. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, my gosh, well, I'm still here and I haven't even gone to, like, the halfway point or... Uh, like that's the part but um yeah so i think i would probably be one of those people that would go back and i would try to see like how it's interpreted because um i don't know i kind of think i saw maybe once i saw something like that and it did evoke like a feeling of like how yeah they 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 took something so that you maybe did not pay attention to in your childhood when you were playing the game. And yes. And turned it into something so touching. I, I can't remember the song it was or how, like, what it was, but I do remember that I was just like... You can remember the moment. Yeah, I remember the moment, like, that yeah. it, it, it made... It, it, it just felt like a birthday party. That's what it was. That was, like, the excitement and the happiness to hear it again through someone's um, appreciation of it. So it, I thought it was really cool. I wish I could remember it, but, you know... But it was the moment that mattered. Yeah. And see, you're bringing up this interesting thing where I went most of my life kind of uh, ignoring emotion in general. And then in my early 20s, I read this book called Emotional Intelligence, and I had never even heard of it before. And in the book, it mentioned that at any given moment, you are experiencing emotion and you're likely experiencing multiple emotions in any given moment. And that totally blew my mind because up to that point, I thought maybe I felt two or three emotions a day at the most. But this idea that I'm always feeling an emotion at any given moment and that my ability to be aware of what emotion I'm feeling in any given moment gives me the power 
to then deal with that emotion as opposed to if I'm totally unaware that I'm feeling frustrated for some reason right now, I'm way less likely to be able to deal with that frustration in a positive way. And so that relates to me when it comes to from that point forward, once I started listening to music and recognizing the way music was making me feel and affecting the way I felt, that really kind of opened my eyes to just how powerful music is on just that human feeling level. Even if you don't necessarily like the song, it can still have an impact, positive or negative, on how you're feeling. And then when you when you uh, wrap that in with video games and you realize that, man, the way in which a soundtrack is, or a movie, the way in which the soundtrack is crafted is meant to guide you through an emotional journey. And the idea that it is successful to, in doing that is so crazy. And it definitely inspires me to want to write music with that same kind of intention. Yeah. I don't so know why. music too. I don't know why, but I just love the theme to Ken's songs, Ken's stage. It's too funny too. Like, you know that. I close my eyes. Sample that I close my though. eyes. And I'm like, I hear the theme song to Ken's stage. Yeah. Because of the OC remix. Yeah. Because of the remix. The of truth it. is, he actually sampled that. The creator of Street Fighter for Ken's stage actually sampled that from an original song. I don't know which band oh. was it, what it, what it was. But you have to check it out. They actually I, I just, I just, I'm picturing right like, now. It's a sea dock. I remember two barrels on the side. <laughs> I, I just, I, I'm telling you, the video. My brother was is a bigger gamer between the two. He doesn't play as much now as he used to. I'm okay. an old school gamer, but <laughs> I would like to. I the way the reason why I fell for your your stream is because I liked it so. As I've gotten older, I like to sit back and watch my brother and Cameron, uh, his best friend or our best friend, um, play Street Fighter. And I can tell you just the countless hours of hearing the, the soundtrack to Capcom, Street Fighter 2, specifically Ryu and Ken stage, because they used to fight it off one of, as the, uh, they will switch between one and the other mostly. Yep. Even Guile stage. I just picture like the entire soundtrack. Yeah. That's what, that to me is a memorable soundtrack. Yeah. So I'm wondering for you all. What are your memorable soundtracks that you particularly have? That's what I'm gonna get to. No, because you used to have something else that you want to talk no, about. No, I want to talk about soundtracks. Yes, because I but, didn't get my chance yet. <laughs> no, but there's something that you want to bring up that I'm gonna let you bring up. But I'm wondering if I ask you what is your most memorable soundtrack, Pat? Is it would you say your most memorable soundtrack is um is um uh, Final Fantasy VII, or is there a soundtrack that pretty much just tops them all for you? Well. It's it's one of those things where whenever I'm meant to say this is either the best or my favorite, the way my brain works is it wants to make like a top five. I never it was a top five. And so but in this case, I can narrow it to the top three because it's such a specific thing to like. I can remember it clear as day the way that it made me feel the way it still makes me feel. And it's the two I already mentioned. Link uh, Legend of Zelda Link to the Past Final Fantasy seven in the third would be Mario 64. That Mario yes. 64 was the first time yes. as a kid that hearing the soundtrack, I actually sought out the CD of the soundtrack separate from the game itself. That was the first time I actually even Listen, considered doing that. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead. When, when you got to uh, Bowser's stage for the first time, yes. doesn't that song amp you up to just fight totally. that dude? Oh my God, it makes me amp. Like yeah. when I hear that, <laughs> I'm like, right. oh man. And then you hear that, that the whole yeah, yeah. like oh man like, like it's, 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 things are gonna get down man oh, things are yes. about to get real you know what i mean that's why that's, i love that that's gotta be that one of the game. best bowser fights grabbing him by the tail spinning yeah. him around that, <laughs> that, that that was such a cool thing like that you never did before that yeah. really good use of the 3d space 
Whereas every Mario game before that was always two dimensional. Yeah, that's why that game is my favorite game, man. What about yeah. you, Jeanette? I'll get to my. I'll get to myself. After, yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, sure. What about you, Jeanette? No, I, I always found the like Mario soundtrack really quirky. But my favorite ones was always when they would go anything that was underwater. So whenever yeah. you, oh, yeah. you had to be swimming Mario, and just like the. When he swims, <laughs> yes. and, and then like the very maritime piratey esque, like of um, like I, I hear it in my head, and I'm trying to think what the instrument is. But, okay, but it's like in a in a weird way, it's really soothing. You're swimming, and you're kind of like maybe it lulls you, and then you see like the freaking octopus or that one <laughs> that one sh- like the sleeping fish that all of a sudden gets really cocaine and starts stalking you <laughs> yes. so you're just like get away from me loser like ah oh, no and yes. then uh, yeah so I, I, that's always like one of my favorites the maritime mario is there, is there a video game that you that you think is as the best soundtrack that that you like if you if you were if, if asked if i said Jeanette, what is your favorite I'm going to give you a vinyl of your favorite soundtrack from a video Ooh. game. Is there a particular one? No. The one that I think would be really good for like a, a house party or whatever would probably be like the Donkey Kong soundtrack. Oh, <laughs> definitely some good tracks there. Yeah. So I think that like if you're going to have like a nice, like a, like a, you want to have like a bringing down the house like party, <laughs> it would probably be anything from Donkey Kong. Because DK oh. had that percussion. Yeah. That's yeah. what it is. It gets- had the Brazilian samba to it. Yeah, when yeah. when you're when you're in the map and it's like do 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 whatever, and you're just like, where are you gonna go and stuff? Yeah, that one's really good. So that's yeah. like that one is right there if you want to get up and you like want to dance. I would say, or even like if you're gonna do like exercise, I guess like jazzercise, go with Don- <laughs> Donkey Kong. Yeah, that would be it. Yeah. You get the you get the beat, or even if you don't, and you're gonna like move, you're gonna shake your butt to it. There you <laughs> go, yeah, the Donkey Konga, right? <laughs> yeah, Donkey Konga. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but um, I'll say this: I have many, many soundtracks. But before I do that, but uh, <laughs> you know, Mario is one of those interesting people that can breathe underwater in the old NES games and can throw fire underwater. Like, how you do that? It's impossible. Mario. That's Mario. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll say this: the soundtracks <laughs> that I that were really memorable was from Final Fantasy One: Temple of Doom. If you ever Whoa. played Final Fantasy, never played one. that one. Oh, uh, you, you if you go like well. In the beginning of Final Fantasy, the first one, I never beat the game because it was just too. I, I just didn't have the patience, I guess. <laughs> Fair but, enough. Uh, the thing was, you have to like kind of get level up before you fight this one major, one uh, important boss. Yep. And that soundtrack is just so good of Temple of Doom. Like you just walk into it. Or Final Fantasy Three is another one that intro for the Final Fantasy Three. Okay. That fanfare song. But um, some of the songs that really influenced me the most were from Ninja Gaiden, the trilogy, Gradius, one, um, Street Fighter, definitely. F-Zero was another one. Nice. Uh, a classic classic. Yeah, those are, those are classics. <laughs> uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Part 2, oh, yeah. the arcade game. Not the first one. The first one was very frustrating. <laughs> Turtles in, was... Wait, Turtles in Time? No, 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 the, the, the first no, one we had to the bombs. Oh, forget that. Oh, yeah. No, but the, <laughs> but the one for Nintendo was really good. Contra was another one. Yes, Contra from the NES. And in fact, the NES to me was better than the arcade soundtrack. 
Wow. If you ever, okay. if you ever hear it, yeah, it's it's in. Yeah, I love the Contra, man. One of beating that game was oh, oh man, it was it was a really great experience. <laughs> An experience. Yeah, but um, there were so many con- so many soundtracks. But one of the most memorable ones too was from Final Fantasy X-2, the part two for number ten. The okay. intro for that one. If you ever hear the intro, it's such a beautiful piece with how they oh, play the piano it's Suteki Dane. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. is such a really really good song it's called i think it's called uh eternal light or something like that uh, nice it's, su- it's such a beautiful song and sometimes i'll play when i'm driving in the car See, oh yeah there's one that you're excluding that you're the one that put me on to and one? i will absolutely love it to the point that i bought the soundtrack for <laughs> that one and the other two Metal Gear Solid oh, yes. soundtracks pass. Yes, yes. The yes. song by Rika Murakana, I think her name is. It, it, the best, the best will come at the end of the Metal Gear One. Mm-hmm. Okay. Snake Eater, the song Snake Eater for Snake number Eater three. Good, yeah. Even the um, the the uh, the second one. I'm trying to remember what was the main song. The main the main vocals for those three games has are are so beautifully written yeah and composed and it's has like a celtic almost like a celtic operatic song to it okay like a dirge almost and it's so uh, you listen to that one song and honestly i don't even know what's i think she's singing in gaelic and it's just wow pat wow it's just i i i like just you hear the you you finish up the game and they're telling you about choosing life and trying to do things to the very end and this and the other and then you play the best is yet to come at the the, the rika murakana song i'm like i'm just it sold me yeah one of the things it. i gotta say about video games video games came a long way too i'll say one <laughs> thing about metal gear solid um the music for Metal Gear, especially the music that you mentioned, when they get caught, when you play in that game and you get caught by a soldier, you're like, oh man, you're trying to rush to get like out of being like uh, I'm out of danger. danger. Yeah. Also out of the, like being like you know how they have di- different stages of getting caught. Like you can get different like uh, it'll it'll the time that trickles down to oh uh, you know maybe I'm clear, maybe I can the coast is clear and they don't see me anymore. Yeah, you know those moments where you get caught where like oh man yeah your adrenaline, chest starts your adrenaline you're like oh my especially god especially metal gear solid one when you go like after you defeat sniper wolf and you actually spoiler get ca- yeah spoiler <laughs> alert. i'm sorry but i have to spoil this when you get caught by that surveillance camera and you're going up the the, the oh, oh the, my the, god the, the, the i was i was like i almost pooped my pants man like i was like <laughs> oh man what am i gonna be doing like how am i gonna get out of this oh, no, and then you have to go up the whole entire stairs how, trying to- how about when oh, the elevator man. triggers off oh, and yeah. they tell you wait a second it's exceeding it's exceeding the weight but you're the only one there and then you realize everyone is wearing stealth armor yeah so you literally have all these people in the elevator with you and you're the only one that can be seen i'm like yo yeah but the topic that i was getting to video games come a long way i mean think about how atari didn't even have that much music and all these other systems didn't have that much music back in the day I mean, even the video game, the the arcade games like Pac-Man didn't have any music. All you hear is you know the sound effects. Yeah, but imagine sure. they had a sound, like real video game music, like what soundtracks would they have? Because Namco is also known for having pretty good video game music. But that's it, why like, they have chip tunes, right, Pat? Yeah, well, it's that that was the big challenge with video. The early video games is all the the cartridges could were so limited in how much 
memory they had. Mm -hmm. So half the challenge was how do we fit a soundtrack into this tiny, tiny little space of of uh, memory? And so they'd have to like really get it down to its bare bones and then totally over compress it and make it so it's like Mm -hmm. and then then, like you're saying, you fast forward now and now it's like full fledged CD quality (laughs) recording. (laughs) Like Grand Theft Auto, I have to say, was one of those games that introduced me to drum and bass. Wow, I okay. love drum and bass. I actually try to learn how to pick up the drums and try to learn how to play drums. I'm still learning myself. but that, Drums to, are the yeah, best. Yeah, drums are great. But still trying to, like, just hearing drum and bass for the first, like, not for the first time, because I've heard it before, but, like, appreciating a, a whole it for the entire station <laughs> just dedicated to drum and bass was, like, one of those things like, I was like, whoa. Especially when you get caught by the, like, when you do a crime. And you get caught by the cops, whatever. And then you're trying to get, and you had that adrenaline music trying to get. I yes. actually use that music to actually work out. Yeah. I would go to the gym on a leg day, put on drum and bass. Here we go. You know? Oh, what I mean? boy. <laughs> 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 but it's crazy how music has just came a long way through video game music. I mean, even Big producers, time. producers to this day actually use a lot of video game music. To actually make uh, the soundtrack. It's crazy. Pat and Jeanette, even Kevin, I don't know if you've ever seen this. There are guys that be, or, or, and girls that basically take Game Boy cartridges, rip them apart, and use them to create music, chiptune <laughs> songs. It's like the stuff that people no longer wanted. They're able to just basically take out the sound chips or sound cards out of it and start composing music out of it. Chip tunes, like basically they put them onto like a um uh not a synthesizer, but something very kind of like simple. a sampler. A sample, yes. And they just basically start creating little beats with it. Yeah. And it's just like how we never thought of thought of that in our day and age. Totally. Yeah. The, and it's such a wide range for the chiptune genre where they can incorporate that kind of eight-bit sounding style into all different genres. And I know someone over here is creating a um Seven, no, is it Seven Nation Army? A, <laughs> yeah, a Seven Nation Army, a music level, a Seven Nation Army. Yeah. How far along are you with that, Pat? I, ju- I just uploaded it on Monday, the completed version. That was quite an experience because in Mario Maker, it's like Mario Paint for the Super Nintendo where you can create music using the note blocks. And so that's the challenge is trying to create a, a, a song that you can recognize with the note blocks and the items and then also make it a level that you can actually play through. So it's an interesting little uh, challenge. Is that your first music stage that you've ever created? First music stage. And part of why, how it came up is I was playing other people's music stages. And there's a, a really famous uh, level creator named Composer who is the ultimate best at it. And so the more I was playing, the more I said in the chat, people like, how was he making the music? How do you how do you even go about creating it? And so I said, OK, I'll dedicate one stream to me trying to learn. We'll learn together and actually see how how is it that you go about making a music stage and so it was it was pretty overwhelming uh the more that i learned about it the more i was like wow this really is like its own little art form figuring out how to use all the space efficiently enough that you can still have mario weaving throughout it it's it's pretty pretty crazy what's your next what's your next song you're planning on doing I don't know if i'll even do another one it was so tough <laughs> I, I i'll have to really be inspired uh is tough but yeah, it's it's de- I, huge respect to the music level creators out there because it is its own little art form for sure. Jeanette? No, I think uh, taking that song is very ambitious because it is one of the ones that 
you hear it and you're just like, we're ramping up to something good. Uh, (laughs) You know, it's a, you go to a sporting event and it's what's supposed to hype you up if your team is down or if they're ahead so that you can charge forward and, you know, to the end of the game. But yeah, like I think it was incredibly ambitious and then anything after that, you're, you would tack, you would look at it and say, wow, this is another mountain. <laughs> so I can totally, <laughs> yeah. I, I can totally understand you. You're like, Hey, maybe just one for me is good. <laughs> maybe <one's> or, good. <laughs> or I don't know, maybe, um, it could be a seasonal thing. So you could do like a Christmas, uh, like a, a caroling or something. I like that uh, idea. You know, or, um, you know, I mean, it, I would say like or Halloween, like a spooky, a spooky vibe. Oh. Like when we've gone to the haunted mansions in Mario, and there's yeah. the, the haunting, uh, the background music that they have. But I'm not trying to pressure you or anything like that. No, just, those are good I'm ideas. I'm just throwing out suggestions. I'm an I idea. Like that's a, that's I'm an idea one, person. Yeah. So I'm like, hey, I'll throw out the idea, and if someone's for someone else to execute. Yeah, <laughs> that's very good va- thinker. That's very valuable. <laughs> People, people hire uh, the idea people for big money because that's what can spawn huge, huge projects. Exactly so I love that. It. Hall- Halloween, the movie, the, the the theme from Halloween, in as uh, in a castle setting. Pat. Yeah, I, I I can see you. I can see you orchestrating something around that. Definitely, that sounds cool. Yeah, or like, and uh, any coins will say thank you, Jeanette. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. no. talking Jay's podcast. Yeah, or uh, um, like Halloweenish. Another one, I guess, uh, Exorcist, the yeah. tubular bells. That's a you know pretty classic. So definitely, yeah. I think that like could. That. I think with a with a Mario version of that, that would probably be like pretty pretty cute. <laughs> definitely, and it wouldn't be too too like frightening or anything. So right, you know. It could be a good balance. The mask yeah. chasing you everywhere. No, 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 no. That no, no. mask, Fanto. <laughs> oh yeah, from man. Mario Brothers from Mario too. Yeah, yeah. That's oh man, that mask was a pain, man. Oh yeah, you grab that key. <laughs> yeah, what did you now, grab that key? In Mario Two, you can put the key down and then it goes away. Yeah. But in Mario Maker, you can't put the key down. Oh my god. Oh man. So you're, so you're stuck is, with that mask. That thing is homing on you, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh. Exactly. That, that's terrible, man. They, they, <laughs> these, these creators, they're ruthless. Man. They know they're what they're doing. man. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you know what? This is a freestyle question. You know, I see like video games are really geared towards moving towards like movie style, like Metal Gear, like uh, we, were, we were talking about. You know, I actually like that genre of uh, video games too. Do you see like with like, the cutscenes? Yeah. What what specific? Yeah, exactly. Like okay. that, or even like gearing towards that emotion. Okay. That, uh, That's what I was gonna ask. That, that um, like what, like um, do you think video games are going towards movie, like movie production type of way? Like you see it gearing towards, hey, instead of making a movie, well, let's make this an interactive type of thing, like going making it like a video game. Yeah. Well, uh, the thing I, I think the where the most money and research is going right now in the video game world is how to make virtual reality more accessible and a better experience for everyone. Because as of now, the people who are enjoying it the most are the people with $5,000 gaming PCs and an entire room dedicated to... So the average person has no chance to, to actually facilitate that. So I think mm-hmm. in the next couple of years, the more they're able to shrink that down into a package that, you know, for $200 or some low, low price, you can have a really good virtual reality experience. I think that's what's going to lend itself 
to kind of what you're getting at, where it's like this more immersive, emotionally evocative, almost movie like experience in the next level of it is you're you're literally participating in the movie in, in, in like you look left and you see what's mm -hmm. to your left. I think like, that really mm -hmm. is powerful. Like, for example, how the PlayStation Move, is it PlayStation Move or the uh, VR? That yeah. thing is amazing that you can actually, oh, Oculus. Well, we're they, getting, they we're getting there. To they have a PS, yeah. PSVR 2 that they just started to show now that's even more advanced to mm -hmm. be able to be compatible with the PS, uh, PS5. So yeah. you can only imagine what, the, what that's going to be looking like. But Kevin was hitting on video game and movies. Um, I was going to ask, I have a different type of question, but going on that theme, is there a particular video game, I'll ask you all, that you would love to see made into a movie? And I, and because, you know, let's, frank, let's be frank, some video games that have been made into movies have not been the best. I mean, the Double Dragon movie, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the Mario movie, yeah, no. I was that's say, right. Didn't they make a Mario movie? No, I'm just kidding. I <laughs> but I'm wondering through you all, is there a particular video game that you want to see be made into a movie? Start with you, Pat, and Kevin, uh, Jeanette, Kevin, and then I'll, I'll see if there's one. Okay. My answer is it's, it, for whatever reason, it seems like you just named Mario. In Final Fantasy, I would say Final Fantasy, but fi they made that Final Fantasy movie and I didn't enjoy it that much. It was kind of that. What's interesting with when you compare something like Final Fantasy seven that has all the cutscenes, you end up when all it is, is the cutscenes. You realize just how important it is to have some kind of interactive element to really make it as compelling as it is. And so I think the the practical version of what a movie thing is, is like the. Um, those choice games, I can't think there's a whole series of them, but where it's essentially if you read along and you get to make choices like choose your own adventure it's and then it just plays out. Things of that nature, right? Where you yeah. actually, it's an interactive, almost like the, um, the the books that they used to have back in the 80s, the choose your own With adventure the, style. Exactly, yeah. That I think that ends up being the most practical, like effective version of a movie version of a video game is where you still, you got to be involved in some way to really feel it. Or else it just loses something when it comes to the movie version. But, you know, the one exception, Ninja Turtles w worked so well as a movie and as a video game. So I, mm -hmm. But then the modern Ninja Turtles, not necessarily as... but Or maybe it was just that when I was a kid, I liked it so much better. The kids, but like the classic thing with Star Wars, everybody liked the original Star Wars, but then they were older by the time they saw the newest Star Wars, and so they see it through the adult eyes. It's that mm -hmm. weird dichotomy. You like things mm -hmm. more when you're younger. And so then when you see a new version of it, when you're older, you're less likely to embrace it the same way. How about you, Jeanette? Oh, I think that aspect is really hard because yeah. the way that you're introduced to certain video games, I think is how you would kind of want that movie to be done. So when you take something like Mario 8 that you started playing and it's 8-bit, and if it's a movie that's like super C CGI, I think that's why it's offensive to the sensibilities. And even to that effect, when the Final Fantasy movie came out, it left a lot of people, like, they they felt like they walked away from it, like it was something was missing, because it wasn't what they were used to playing. So if, if I think if you're, you can't make a movie and say, oh, it's going to be true to the video game, it has to have a plot that's apart from it, where you realize you're not going in, in it to play. So that's probably why a lot of, like, the cartoons that that spun off from video games were successful because it didn't have you know it was kind of quest-like but c contained 
And I think that's where a lot of the movies kind of have failed because they don't know how to fill an hour and a half. But maybe, I don't know, it would have to be something kind of like family oriented. So maybe like a Kirby movie might be cute or even like um, hmm. like a, like Miss Pac-Man. So something like kind of from those old, old days like that. I don't think you could take anything modern and try to make it into a movie because it would probably fail like i saw the mortal kombat the new one and it was okay i'm glad i didn't have to pay for it but you know they're gonna spin that off so good for them but it was all right i can think of one but go ahead Cam. honestly i don't really know how to answer that question i mean obviously we're gonna want to say metal gear solid we would like to see a metal gear solid movie and they and i heard rumors that they're making it but um that's a really hard question because I could see the other way around how some movies would be turned into video games. Which like I would always turn out great either. I, I would like, like to E.T. See, like, oh, <laughs> I can only imagine where he's going with that. Atari, the worst game ever made. Yeah, but uh, oh, I think Mario 64 tops that. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's just that bad. <laughs> but um, no, no, not Mario 64. Superman 64. I'm sorry, Superman 64. Tops okay. That. Yeah. I always say Mario 64, but actually, <laughs> I shouldn't even say that. Um, I, I would like to see like Rambo, like a Rambo movie or a Predator movie from back in the day, make it modern today. They did Rambo recently. And it's yeah, but I'm saying, I'm saying like, like, like you actually take Sylvester Stallone, move him around like Metal Gear, like a Metal Gear style Rambo. It would be great. If he could actually take that production of the like, all right, we're gonna give Rambo you a project. Movie? You're gonna take Rambo. You're gonna do Rambo one, two, three, and on and on. And you're wow. gonna, you know, I would love to see where that went. Except for except for the last movie of Rambo, that was. Okay. I am surprised Jeanette didn't say the one movie that I'm thinking of that would be able to be made into a live action movie. Donkey Kong, Diddy <laughs> Kong, and Diddy Kong, Trixie Kong get get trapped in a cage and taken to like a circus and it's up to donkey kong and cranky kong to go rescue them <laughs> no no if i don't know you guys probably didn't see the cgi lion king that disney redid so the whole of projecting emotion onto cgi animals failed a lot so that's why it, it has to be it can't be a that's the other thing. It's like, is it live action? Is it animated CGI? It would have to be some sort of CGI that isn't of the game. Because I think if you took the game and you did it and it it was really a bad movie, people would just like riot on the streets. It would just kill. <laughs> it would kill so many hopes that you have from like your childhood. You would never recover from it. So, and then of course you can't use real animals because of animal cruelty and stuff like that so and i think the whole cgi of the animals is just completely bad except for the lady and the tramp one that was kind of decent but the lion king one was not good mm -mm. i think i have an idea they should make either a ninja gaiden movie or oh I, well, that or, would but for like the original movies. Movie. yeah for, for oh like my the original, god but the original game yes or uh mega man Mega Man, they can milk. Mega that. Man, I can see, Mega I can see, but you have Battle, the Battle Girl Elita, but it's which not is the within the same genre. Yeah, but it's not but, the same. But, but Ninja Gaiden. Yeah, Ninja Gaiden. Oh, what I would give for a great Ninja Gaiden movie. Yeah, I don't know why they haven't made a a, a Mega Man uh, maker. 
They should really do that. They were making it, but then they ended up stopping they because of the idea. Some t- something to do with the, you know, Capcom being yeah, Capcom a, has their strict rules and wanting not to do it or something or other, and then some people try to create it, it was some big ordeal. Mm. But um, I have one more question because I know Pat, we have you for a limited time because you're going into a tournament today. Um, yeah. Good luck, man. Thank you. Um, but. <laughs> Uh, but before I do, I don't know if everyone else wants to ask a question before I, I go with my question, with my final question. Yeah, I I, I wanted to ask really important question about Ooh. video game music and stuff. So I'm I'm glad he answered my question. Well, the, you forgot to ask the question that you wanted to ask. <laughs> the question that he had a- told me that he wanted to ask everyone: Has there ever been a a game? He used to Kevin's philosophy was. You knew a game was good based on yes. the music. Yes, that's true. Like okay. for example, with Nintendo games, you know a game a game would have attracted you because of the music. But I don't know what you wanted to steal that. Yeah, like I, that's how I knew a video game was good. If I knew, if I heard the soundtrack for a video game was good, that's when I was like, oh yeah, this this game is great. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. Because like the way, because if they took time to actually make the music great for that game, you already know that that game itself it will be great. But that's the thing. Like now is very different. Gaming now is different compared to gaming back then. Like you know, for example, Zelda. I, I may not be a big fan of Zelda, but Zelda has a specific soundtrack for certain people that like to listen to. Yes. Although Zelda, to me, when you play the original one, I love the intro to it. That that intro is memorable. Like who Definitely. doesn't know that intro? If you don't, if you had never played Zelda, you don't really never really play video games to me. But those games, like... Well, the reason why you don't like Zelda is because you don't know where to go. It's just too hard, man. Like, there's <laughs> just some cryptic things. It's just like, you get you play that game, and you have to... You, have, you literally need a strategy guide to beat that game. There's it's no way you're going to... You're definitely not going to beat that game firsthand. Like, okay, yeah, I can beat that game in one day. There's no... It's no, you can't beat it in one day. You but just have to know where to go. The game, man. They got to glitch it, man. <laughs> 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 they got to go like, all right, you know what? I have to... I think if I go in here, you know, I figure out how to glitch it so I can get to. Well, the question, Jeanette, do you have a question before you before I ask my pose my final question to you? All? Yeah, what goes into training for a tournament? Wow. Okay. Well, so it, with Mario Maker, they can do lots of different kinds of tournaments. They can do tournaments to specific types of levels. Mm-hmm. Like for instance, Kaizo is is some of the toughest levels where you have to do shell jumps. Power drops where you're basically using items in a way that wasn't intended. Mm-hmm. And so that that type of tournament, the way you'd practice is you do um, training levels for that those specific tricks, because there might be a list of 12 tricks that make up the majority of 10 different levels. They're just arranged differently. So you need to be able to execute those tricks on your first try and string them all together. But like today, the tournament I'm in today, it's more of a platforming um, tournament, which just means the challenge is just getting from point A to point B through all the obstacles. And so the best way to to uh, sort of prepare for that is just to play like Endless Expert, where you're getting those types of levels and you're having to play them for the first time and beat it as quickly as possible. Because that ends up being the challenge. It'll be my first time actually playing through these levels that I'll be playing through. And it's a race. So mm-hmm. you just being able to beat it isn't enough. You need to be able to beat it in not too many tries. So the more that you can put yourself in the position that you need to play through a level for the first time and beat it in as few lives as possible, that's that sort of hones that skill of 
how quickly can you beat a level that you've never played before? That's awesome. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I know you miss Mario 35, Pat. I um, do. But the question that I have for the forum is there a has, has a video game ever taught you ever taught you a lesson or has a has and then apart from that is there a video game that that sort of hits you emotionally? Mm, that's so you so if you want to tackle both or we can tackle one and then the other because I'm wondering especially you Pat and Jeanette and Kevin yeah. it, what what video game has hit you emotionally and then if there's a video game that, that uh, the the other question yeah, yeah, that's I have. Fine, that's fine. Good. Uh, we can start with uh, Pat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, with when I started streaming, maybe like three or four months in, that's when I started really going outside my comfort zone and playing levels that were harder than I thought I could possibly do. Uh, and once I was able to actually beat the things I didn't think I could beat, that ended up being like a real life lesson in recognizing, wow, I, the more that I approached this problem that I didn't think I could solve with the mindset of okay, there is a solution and there is a way to do it. I just have to figure out how I can do it. The more that that applies to just everyday life problems when you something comes up that you didn't expect, whether it's something really serious like losing a loved one or whatever the, the real life circumstance is, oftentimes it can feel that way like, man, I don't know how to go through life with this different circumstance now. But ultimately, there is a way and it might not be pleasant or it might not be the same as it was before. But ultimately, there's always a way to move on in a way to kind of shift your perspective to be able to find a way through. And so they, it was so it was such a strange sort of uh, bizarre feeling of relating a, a random Mario thing to such a serious life skill. And so that really stuck out to me. And for the emotion question, for me, it's nostalgia. Nostalgia is one of the most powerful drugs on planet Earth where it can really give you a certain feeling that not much else can. And so for me, it's games like Mario 64, Legend of Zelda Link to the Past, where I could just play it for 10 minutes and I'm, it's going to make me feel a certain kind of way that not, not many things could. Jeanette? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with Pat as far as like the nostalgia because I know when I started playing with that mini NES that I got, I remember I was like, I used to be really good at this. And then <laughs> like absorbing the music and the graphics and then starting to play it, and it's just like, well, what the heck happened? I don't remember any of the codes, and I tried <laughs> to like find things online, and it was, and I found it was like, you know what? I'm just gonna go like before, like rando, just like hit all the keys at once and see what happens, and I hope I don't <laughs> blow anything up. Um, but I do miss the whole like blowing on the cartridge thing. Uh, <laughs> if, if there could be a way where like we could still like bring that back, that would be awesome. Um, I don't know. I'm just you know making a suggestion. Um, yeah. But I think one thing that I learned was uh, how to like how to share with with your friends and family because some of these games are you know the two player ones and establishing like your own tournament and then you get to you know win with grace or lose with dignity or not and then you pass <laughs> it off to the next person and then you're kind of like whoever beat you you want them to lose and stuff like that <laughs> yes so, right and then it's like or, or everybody trying to gang up on the one person that was really good in the game so that the <laughs> next time you guys play it's like okay the objective here is to take out so and so because he or she is too damn good they always win yeah yeah, <laughs> definitely remember that. All right. 
I'm gonna. I or the sneakiness guys. of because you know there was always one good control and one bad control. It's okay. Oh, yeah. Your <laughs> handicap is you play with the bad control with all the exactly. wires out. <laughs> That's it. Fourth place had to use the uh, the bad control. Yes. All right. So this is my thing. Imagine you guys play this game, right? And then you play an, another sequel later on. So you're playing the first game that ever came out. And you're like, whoa, this is like state-of-the-art technology. Like when you see the way they think they, they structure the game. And it's amazing. Ten years later, you play the sequel of the game. And you go to that same stage. And it's in ruins. And you're surprised because you're thinking like, wow, this place was state-of-the-art technology. And now it's in ruins. It's like, damn. What did 10 years like that's when I felt like I was old. And you know what game <laughs> made me feel like that was Metal Gear Solid 4. I was like, wow, man. Well, you Going know, back Shadow, to Shadow Moses. Shadow Moses. I was yeah. like, damn, man. And it's all falling apart and decrepit and things. Like all these cameras, all the money that went into this structure, and now it's in ruins. It was just like, whoa, man. Like, I know I'm getting old, man. <laughs> <laughs> but what Jeanette was saying about video games and what lessons it taught me, it taught me, you know, you can't always win. True. And you, you can always try, strive for victory and you can't always win. And that's one thing about Bruce Lee. He said this philosophy, people always want to learn how to win, but people don't know how to accept failure, which is really important to know how to accept failure because the worst thing you could do is to be desperate, but everything, with everything that you try to strive for it. For example, if a boxer loses and he loses with dignity, he can get a rematch. But if he's just trying to become a victim, then nobody's going to take him seriously. And then yeah. nobody wants to see a rematch of somebody like that. And that's one thing video games taught me in the sense that, you know, I'll lose today. But you know what? I'm going to try to come back tomorrow and actually try to beat this game. And that's, why, <laughs> and that's where, like, you and I can relate to this, Pat, because... You say a lot of things about how some games in some levels will take you out and will make you go like, man, like, I don't know why I can't beat this. But then you go right back to it and you have this epic moment of like, Eureka, I got it. I know exactly what to do. Maybe I have to plan this thing out a better way and more efficient way. And I see life that way. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like people should watch the movie Pie. Oh, um, yeah. black and white. Yes, because it shows you how to deal with chaos. There's three ways of dealing with chaos. And I noticed one thing about that movie, it had three endings. You know, you could either seek help through people, either persevere through, um, through, uh, try to, uh, try to either persevere and straight, head straight through the problem, or you can avoid certain problems. You know what I'm saying? And the other way I don't want to mention, it, which is just giving up. And that's one of those things that, People, a nihilistic approach. Yeah, yeah, a nihilistic approach, and people have to realize there's better ways to handle certain situations. And that's one thing about video games that taught me how to handle certain situations. Because the thing is, you always have to educate yourself. And if you never educate yourself, you're always going to stay in the same spot. You can always move up. You can always move forward. And sometimes you have to take 10 step back to move forward. But never give up on anything that you do. Never give up on your dreams. Never give up on your goals. And video game has taught me that, like, if you have something, just pursue it. You know, things can't get worse from here. Things could only get better. And that's one thing about video games that taught me.
Yeah, well, it's it's crazy. You brought up that pie. That's a, but nobody knows about that movie. That's an early yeah. Darren Aronofsky. Yeah, one of the I first like I saw movie. from here, I was like, "Whoa, this is another level." <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. that movie was crazy. First time mm-hmm. I saw it, it was in high school, and I was like, "Oh my goodness, that's that's a wild one." Mm-hmm. I haven't thought of that. Shows you how to deal with chaos. Maybe maybe next time we'll discuss movies, Pat, because that would be <laughs> okay. A, a we could do we could do a little podcast or something like that uh, about, about movies about and movies and how we related to you just mentioned Aronofsky, and I'm wondering. You being, you being from the uh, New England area, about your thoughts on Aronofsky. Yeah. But I think a game that made me feel something emotional, I would say is either the end of Metal Gear Solid 1, when you're, you're learning, when you literally, the guy, uh, spoiler alert, Snake is supposed to be dying from uh, medicine that he was injected called Fox Guy that's supposed to kill off uh, all the clones or anyone associated with um, with Metal Gear or Fox, you know the the squad that that's either in there or whatever, and he's and being told you only have so much left to live in life. Choose life and live your life to whatever you can do. I love that, but the other one is I would say um, the first the first game of The Walking Dead. When you're playing with, um, I forgot the name of the two characters. You literally are are protecting this young girl from zombies, and then it comes down to a critical choice. When you realize, spoiler alert again, you're bitten, <laughs> and okay. and you have to come to the realization: Do you let her know? Do you let her go? What do you do with yourself? Yeah, and all these things, and when you realize, oh my God, he did everything he can, and it came to that, it's a matter of sacrificing yourself or sacrificing the person you're trying to protect. And I thought that was actually very emotionally moving. Yeah, video game. I never played the other ones, but I heard they were they don't compare really to that one, the one faithful decision because everything comes down to you deciding. Yeah, it's all your decisions that affect the very end. And no matter what you decide, you're still going to end up with that same result. Yes. And it, and it gives you uh, the lesson that I wrote with you. It's just like you all said, nostalgia. There's nothing um, nothing emotionally more driving than nostalgia and perseverance. Sometimes you have to, as Kevin said, and you all have said, sometimes you have to take a few steps back before you can move forward and ahead. Yeah. And I want to throw something out there based on what Kevin was saying, that 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 lesson of I can't win every time. And I think especially with video games, there could be sort of this mindset or this this tendency to want to be the best at whatever game you play. Mm-hmm. And I think that's naturally that goes along with wanting to win. But I think an important thing to keep in mind that I've definitely learned as a streamer with a Mario streamer specifically is I right now I have like sixteen hundred hours into the game. But there's people with 10,000 plus hours into the game. So naturally, the levels they make, I have no chance at doing. In fact, there was a level from Mario Maker 1. It took this dude, the, the dude created it. In, or- in order to upload the level, you have to beat it yourself. And it took him literally years to be able to beat his own level. It, it was this bomb level. And it is literally considered the hardest level that ever existed. And he'll probably be forever the only one that can ever beat it. Because you'd have to know it so intimately to be able to even have a chance to execute it. So just that reality that is it's not practical to think you're going to be the best if you're competing against people who have five, six, ten times the amount of time into the game. And so it's what it comes down to is being OK with being the best 
you can be in that moment. And, you know, that definitely goes to all different things in life. You're much better off. OK, I want to I want to like the way I look and not be so concerned with how I look compared to this other person. But instead, how can I like how I look? That same sort of just shift where it's instead of being the best compared to everybody else, I want to be the best I can be. And that's very freeing. That goes along with Kevin's lesson. There. And I know there's a stage that maybe hundreds, perhaps thousands of people try to beat. And uh, someone I know was the first person to beat it <laughs> after 40 hours of play. Pat, <laughs> you talked to, and you uploaded the video. You showed people, hey, it took me X amount of time to do it. You can see all my failures here. And I'm the first one to do it. And it was uh, served as a lesson for perseverance to others. But before I let you go, Pat, would you like to regale us in any re- wonderful recipes with English, an English toast muffin in which you somehow created pizza on an English toast muffin, which I have never heard of before. Okay. Well, this is interesting because as a kid, there was a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, like learn to read book. And in the back of that book was the recipe for English muffin pizzas since the Ninja Turtles love pizzas. And it was just one of those like crafty ideas to do with your do with a parent. And so that was the first thing I ever learned to cook was an English muffin pizza where you just take the English muffin. And in this recipe, they told you to toast the English muffin so that it was a little crispy. Then you put the sauce and cheese and then you bake it. Now, I prefer things chewy to crispy, which is a bit controversial. It seems like more people like crispy texture. But I I've never really enjoyed Chris. I always prefer soft and chewy. So I just skip the toasting step. Just crack open that English muffin. And I have some acid reflux issues. So I avoid red sauce, not entirely, but for the most part. So with pizza, rather than use red sauce, I use olive oil and garlic and a little bit of onion. And, um, and then I just put extra cheese and I like to combine mozzarella and cheddar cheese. And uh, sometimes I'll do like a pizza blend shredded mix with a Mexican blend and put both of that. I really like that combo. Boom. In the uh, in the oven, 350 or 400 for uh, 10, 12 minutes. And boom, you got your own little pizzeria right at home. Yeah, the man. reason why I thought of you, Pat, is because Sandy can't have tomatoes because it's something to do. Um, she can't have tomatoes because it's starting to affect her allergies. Yes, and she okay. used, buys vegan cheese. So uh-huh. she actually goes to pizzerias and orders like a vegan pizza, which I've never seen before. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to tell Sandy's Pat's recipe. Yeah. This is absolutely a way you can make your own stuff at home. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It's really easy. I, I honestly I'll have that a couple times a week because it's okay. so easy. It, it's better than a pizza bagel. Well, thanks a freaking lot for making me hungry now. <laughs> <laughs> well, here, here, the, the, other, the pro tip is to get the 100 percent whole wheat. Thomas English muffin so that uh, it's at least a little redeeming instead of having all the white flour, you at least have some kind of complex carbohydrate in there to make I it like 1% healthy. Kind. The blueberry kinds are the best. Blueberry. Well, you, yeah. I don't know if you're going to want pizza on blueberry. Actually, we did have pizza on blueberry. Remember that one place? That <laughs> oh, we, yes. Like yeah. Detroit pizza. Yeah. They put honey and blueberry drizzle on the top of the no, pizza. That was, was that a dessert that pizza? Really that sounds good, like a man. dessert pizza. It, it, no, it's, it's really it's good. made like regular pizza. It's a Detroit style it would probably go really good with like just an like it would have to be just an all cheese pizza yeah cheese and and blueberries yeah Mm -hmm. okay yeah i could see that i could see that other other things like spinach in there it was actually really good 
Well, Spinach can be good. Janelle, is there anything you want to finalize, uh, close up with this episode before we let Pat, uh, send Pat off to his wonderful to his tournament tonight? No, I just want to wish him lots of luck with his tournament today. Thank you. And the the goals that he set for himself uh, as a you know up and coming streamer. So best <laughs> of you. best of luck. And uh, remember, it was ninety nine percent Jose and Kevin <laughs> for totally. the credit. Talking talk Jay's podcast, I owe them everything. <laughs> uh, I mean, it was. I uh, would like to see you more frequently if you, if it's possible, Pat. <laughs> you know what? Happy you're, to be the return you're a cool guest, dude, man. We, we appreciate <laughs> maybe, you being maybe here. Maybe once a month or once every two months we can get together yeah, with Pat. Man. That'd be great. Totally, it sounds yeah. good to me. Maybe get a couple beers too. You know, <laughs> <laughs> get out of there. Get out of there. <laughs> yeah. Pat, good luck with your tournament. Yeah. Thank you for everything that you do, the positive message, the positivity that you give to everyone. If anyone wants to see you, the best way to see your videos, I would say, is Super Pat World on Facebook. Or if not, on YouTube, if they look up Super Pat World, they'll be able to see, see your videos as well, Pat. Yeah, exactly. If it, the one easiest way, you just go to Google and type in Super Pat World, three words, Super Pat World, just like it sounds. And uh, <laughs> it'll, it'll all come up. Yeah. Can I give you a little thing about inspiration? Yeah, give me the Just inspo. play your style, man. That's all I can tell you. Play your style. <laughs> all right. Pat, thank you so much for everything. We greatly appreciate it. I'm Jose in New York. She's Janet in LA. He's Kevin in New York, and he's Pat in, Boston, in the Boston area. <laughs> yeah. This is Talking Days. Thank you for listening. Thanks, everybody.